Welcome to the Surge Strength Podcast, powered by Ritter Sports Performance. This podcast is dedicated to helping swim coaches and swimmers learn how to properly implement dry land and strength training programs that result in moving better, reducing injuries, and swimming faster. Let's join your host, Chris Ritter. Welcome back to the Surge Strength Podcast, everyone. Hope you're doing well. I have a great show for you today. First, though, before we get into what's head on the show, I want you to make sure you note down this date, November 30th. So just in a few weeks here, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, Cyber Monday, we will be having a 24-hour only promotional sale to become Surge Strength Dryland Certified. So if you're listening out there and you're not currently enrolled to become SSDC or you've been thinking about it, make sure you are subscribed to our email newsletter. So if you're not, you could just go to our website, surge-strength.com, scroll all the way down to the bottom. There's a subscribe. You could just drop your email in there and be sure you're following our Instagram account. Again, details, we're going to be coming out in the next few weeks here, but just letting you know, November 30th, the last Monday of the month, 24 hours only sale promotion on becoming Surge Strength Dryland Certified. So make sure you take advantage of that and be on the lookout for details. But first off, a thank you too for everyone that's listening. Our numbers have been crazy in the last few weeks. So thank you for all of you that are sharing it with other coaches, swimmers that you think would benefit from listening to a pod t- podcast just on dryland training. <laughs> and so I just appreciate it. the numbers have been growing like crazy the last few weeks. So thank you so much for sharing. If you haven't already text it to a friend or another coach. And if you could take time, especially if you listen to us through Apple podcasts, if you could go there, leave a review, it really helps us become easier for other people to find when they're looking for podcasts, especially on something like dryland training for swimming pretty specific topic but then thanks again for listening thanks again for sharing uh please keep it up and i hope that we continue to put out content that you're learning from and you want to share so for this episode inside the surge strength academy which these lessons are pulled we're pulling the audio from the videos that are in there as a part of the curriculum for the surge strength drown certification today's topic lesson is on the one quote unquote secret of dryland programming. Now, I'm not a big secrets guy, but the way I have found over the years, this one thing that if you make sure you keep it in mind when you're programming, just helps swimmers so much in terms of not dealing with injuries, being able to get their full potential out in the water and find more speed, endurance, being able to work consistently. It all basically comes down to one thing you need to make sure you're always aware of in your programming. So that's what inside the Surge Strength Academy. And that also pertains to that topic, what we're going to talk about in the Dryland Talk segment, where I answer a question from Coach Ann, who is currently enrolled to become SSDC. And her question is on how do I balance these different high school swimmers in the club Dryland when they're three different groups doing very different things or almost nothing at all sometimes when it comes to their high school Dryland program. So some kids are in the weight room, some aren't at all, some are kind of in the middle. And how do you balance that? So I talk about that because I'm sure she's not the only club coach having to deal with that. And so especially when you're listening to that part, you can always go to our YouTube channel and there's a bunch of new exercises we have just posted 
for uh, videos around specifically dealing with shoulder mobility, which she also put in her question there that we're going to talk about. Like that was a big thing for her group is her swimmers did not have any shoulder mobility. So if you haven't already, go to the YouTube channel, subscribe there too. We're starting to put out more and more videos on a regular basis. And remember, you can always enroll in the Surge Strength Academy for free and take the courses that we have for the Dryland 101s where it's building a strong core for your athletes, the best upper body exercises. Some of those are shoulder mobility ones as well. So make sure you're taking advantage of these free resources that we're continuing to put out there. But guys, thanks again for listening to the podcast and sharing it. Please keep it up. Inside the Surge Strength Academy. The one dryland programming secret is what I'm going to be covering in this lesson. So make sure you listen, right? <laughs> secret in parentheses. What I mean by that is if I could really narrow it down to one thing that I've seen success come from in the dryland programs that I've written throughout the years, all different type of athletes where it, it crossed all those different parameters, whether it's a, a new beginner or someone chasing a world record, an Olympic gold medal. If we look at these five movement categories, what I think the secret really falls down to specifically for swimmers being successful on land and carrying that into the water is making sure the ratios between push and pull and squat and hinge are at least a one-to-one -one ratio. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean is if we have a session that has exercises, and let's say we did it real simple, where we just had each circuit have five exercises, so one for each movement category. So that means in that workout, you're going to have two exercises for push, two exercises for pull, two for squat, two for hinge. We're in perfect one-to-one -one ratio there. So for every one push exercise, there's one pull exercise. For every one squat, there's one hinge. We'll get to a little bit more of the details of that at the end of the lesson here. but in a nutshell, it's making sure that you're not doing a ton of push-ups and no pull-ups or a ton of lunges and no RDLs. So making sure you're in at least a one-to-one -one ratio. Even better, I've found, is I started experimenting and going onto the other end of it and having more pulls than pushes in terms of exercise from that category in the workout or more hinges than squats. And I saw that the results actually got better and continued to get better as we moved that ratio over to a one, one to two, or even one to three sometimes. And so you can play around with that, but what I would absolutely not do is go the other way on that ratio. So I wouldn't have two push-ups, two, two pushing exercises to one pull exercise, or especially three pushes to one pull. And the same things with squats. So pulls and hinges, more the better. I have yet to find I could overprogram from that standpoint. But as far as pushes and squats, I found that you run into a little bit of trouble, whether it's from shoulders, knees, or back, that it just didn't seem to add up. So at least a one to one, but sometimes you could go one to two, and I haven't really seen a downside yet in terms of more pulling and more hinging. Now, here's an example because this could seem overwhelming if you think, oh, well, okay, if I have it perfect at one to one, I don't want to mess it up. But maybe you want to try that one to two ratio. So here's the example workout that we've been talking about so far in this module. And all I have to do is substitute two exercises out, two total out of the 10 to go from a one one ratio to a one two. So again, this might be a time where you want to print off the slides 
so that you can look at it. But if you look at that first circuit, I believe that's the one I changed. Yes. So the first circuit, all I do is I take out the push-up and the split squat, and I put in another pull exercise and another hinge exercise. And that's all I did, and now I have a one to two ratio in terms of pushing and pulling and squatting and hinging. So again, all I did, each of these circuits, there's a push, pull, hinge, squat, brace. All I did for one of the circuits is I just pulled out the pull, or excuse me, pulled out the push, and I pulled out the squat, and I substitute for a pull and a hinge, and that's just in that first circuit that you can see. And now I move the ratio from a one-to-one -one push, pull, squat, hinge to a one-to-two ratio. So now I have more pulling, more hinging overall in the workouts. Now, there is a little bit of a nuance to this because in terms of tracking the number, big picture, I would just look at exercises done. And yes, if you go back here, you could see that uh, for the rows, you know, we went from 10 push-ups to only five rows. But also, the push-ups were body weight and the rows are with barbell. And I'm hoping that, you know, it's going to be a pretty good weight with that barbell, maybe even close to body weight with that. So even if that's not exactly lined up, I first look at the exercises done. Then I would look at the volume and then maybe factor in the intensity. So sometimes it might not look as clean as possible in terms of, you know, if you're doing 10 push-ups and that's body weight, but then you substitute it with a pull exercise, but you're only doing five because it's a barbell exercise and you're loading it up pretty good. Just focus on the number of exercises, number one. And then if you feel you really need to keep getting into the nitty gritty, then start looking at the volume and intensity and try to factor that into the ratio. But my whole motto is try to keep it simple as possible. And then that allows you to coach more on the floor and to engage with the athletes and not think about having to spend three hours writing a 45 minute dry land session. So I try to keep it simple. I think if you just focus on the number of exercises you're going to fall in line with the ratio and you're not really going to run into trouble, but you can always go down a little bit deeper and focus on the volume in terms of rep sets and then even the intensity in terms of the weight that they're pushing and the load of it. So that's my one secret for dryland programming success. Keep those ratios at least one to one and maybe play around with a one to two going more on those pull and hinges. Dryland Talk. On this Dryland Talk segment, I'm actually answering a question from a coach that's uh, currently enrolled in the Surge Strength Dryland Certification. And it was a really good question. I've asked her if I could uh, answer it on the podcast because I don't think she is alone in this situation, uh, Coach Ann here, in terms of what she's having to deal with with some of the high school swimmers and how to best approach it when it comes to Dryland. So, uh, Ann, thanks again for sending in a great question. Good luck as you're going through the curriculum there. So let me read what she sent in. It's a bit long, and I want to make sure you have the full context before I go into the answer. So here we go. Uh, Chris, with all interruptions from COVID, we're just getting back to something that looks like a regular training schedule. Our senior level kids are swimming six days per week with us and doing three dryland sessions. As you've recommended, I've done movement and strength assessments on all of the kids, which has been quite valuable in how we're starting. The assessments showed how much we need to work on shoulder mobility, building the brace, and developing 
upper body strength. I'm currently trying to unteach pour technique as I teach them the foundation of moves. Since we've never really had a formal dry land program, I'm making sure everyone understands how to move effectively first, just as you've said. We have limited space and limited equipment. Each kid has a stretch cord. We have some medicine balls, some boxes, and one TRX. So first off, and great work on actually implementing the assessments And I hope you're feeling more empowered that the ascents are going to show you, like you said, you narrowed it down into, you know, shoulder mobility and building up the brace and then also upper body strength as well. So now here's where we actually get to the issue and is trying to juggle how to deal with with her dryland, particularly her high school swimmer. So. Kids are coming to her club from three different high schools as she lays out here. So on the high school side of things, we have three programs, all with very different structures. One high school is swimming twice per week and working in the weight room three times per week. The kids from this high school tell me that their weight room consists of sit-ups, barbell squats, and the mile run. Second high school swims five days per week and is not doing anything in the weight room or any other dryland because of the school's restrictions on teams using the weight room. The third high school that makes up her senior group, those kids have the most structured program in the pool and in the weight room. With that one, water time depends on club swimming participation. Club swimmers are swimming twice per week with the high school, and they do weight room three times per week. In the weight room, the strength and conditioning coach has a work out structured for swimmers. From what the kids tell me, they do circuits, a lot of squatting and pressing. I'm not sure about ratios, and I'm not, I'm quite sure there has been no strength or movement assessments with guidance for progression. All the swimmers are doing the same thing regardless of training age and movement limitations. Several of our swimmers from the high school have had back injuries already from their weight room activities. They all happen to have scored pretty poorly on the bridge combo test and the hip hinge assessment. When they described the activity that seemed to agitate the back, it was the power clean. I've tried to schedule our dryland work on the days when I know the kids are not in the weight room. Fortunately, the two schools that are in the weight room have the same scheduled days. For now, my plan is to undo any harm that may be happening elsewhere. All right, Ann, a lot of stuff to juggle, and I'm sure you're not the only club coach trying to juggle high school swimming, and then in addition, are those high school swimmers doing dry land, and how does that fit into your program? So first off, great question, and great job trying to understand how do you piece this all together. So let me reread this last part to make sure I'm understanding it. So uh, it says, I've tried to schedule our dry land work on the days when I know the kids are not in the weight room. Fortunately, the two schools that are in the weight room have this game, same schedule day. So, and it sounds like the ones that are doing the weight room work in the high school, they're not necessarily going to be with your group when you're doing dryland, at least for those few days. And I'm sure you're also wondering what to do on the days when everybody is together. So, here's what I would say number one, you're already thinking on the right track. So, don't Second guess yourself the way you've thought about it from actually implementing the movement assessments and then how you're thinking through what the kids are doing. Uh, you, It's already shown me that you are letting the curriculum sink in for the surge strength dry land certification about how to th- process and thinking through these dry land decisions, if you will. So shoulder mobility, you can never go wrong doing too much of that, especially when you're following our breathing rules for being able to smile and breathe when you're stretching. And I would always have that, especially for the kids that are doing the other dryland, right, from the other high schools. The other thing, too, is on the days when all of them are together, and that's including the kids that are doing the weight room stuff uh, with the high school, I would just simply go bracing, pulling, and hinging 
and not even worry about the pushing and the squatting on those days in particular when you have all of them. Because we know, as you've described it, we, they're probably not getting much pulling and hinging or probably even bracing work when those high schoolers are doing the structured or weight program at their high school. So the days that they're not there and you just have your kids that aren't in any of those high school programs, or maybe they're from the high school that's not lifting, then I would do a quote unquote more traditional one where we have one of all five movement groups, right? Two circuits, 10 exercises. So you get your brace, your pull, your push, your squat, your hinge. And there, that's where I would try to have my ratios uh, be one-to-one. But on the other days, or maybe those other high schoolers are joining you, I would go all in on the bracing, the pulling, and the hinging. I don't think you can overdo those enough, especially in your limited sense in terms of how how often you're actually going to be doing dryland. So you're right in thinking of like undoing as much as you can from the other programs because it doesn't sound like they're considering ratios or doing assessments. And so it, it, at best, it's a middle of the road program. And with the bracing in particular, I've not found that you can overdo that category. And if the swimmers are stronger in the bracing category, that bleeds into other movements like pull-ups, like hinges, like squats, even push-ups. So bracing every single day. And what I found is as long as I rotate through the three different positions that you could be in, prone, supine, vertical, that's enough of a variety that you can't overdo the bracing when it comes to that. Now, I think you can't do too much pushing and too much squatting, especially as it pertains to how much pulling and hinging you're doing. But with the bracing, I do that every day along with the shoulder mobility. And especially like with something like uh building up the brace and like you've seen in the the dryland certification curriculum there if the athletes are really weak we need to start up some really basic exercises and doing a bunch of sit-ups or even doing bridges planks that are in poor position may not be the best thing so and go back and, and go through that building the brace i would use a lot of exercise from that figure out where your kids are and for those of you who are listening that aren't necessarily enrolled in the surge strength dryland certification, we have a free dryland 101 course on building on on core training, on building the brace, and you'll be able to see those exercises. You can also go to the YouTube channel, especially for some shoulder mobility exercises we've just put up some recently. So check out those two resources if you haven't already. The, remember, you can enroll for free in our dryland 101s and the surge strength academy, and then also the YouTube. We're putting up a lot more videos as well. But and I think you're on the right track of how you're thinking to balance all of this. And the days, that, like I said, that you're having all the high schoolers together, shoulder mobility, bracing, maybe some hinging. Like you say you don't have a ton of equipment, so hinging is always hard when you don't have a lot of equipment. Uh, if they have those stretch cords, put it under their feet and be able to just go from a hinge position to standing up so the arms are having to stay straight and, and have that tension with the band that they're standing on. Even having them do some sets like that with the hinges, and you're probably not going to have to worry about the volume too much because the intensity isn't that much with something like a, a band and doing hinges, but just learning that movement is going to help them. So shoulder mobility, bracing, do those all day long every day, especially with the kids that are doing dryland elsewhere, and then add in a little bit more pulling and hinging for the kids, if you can, that are doing strength programs elsewhere. For the kids that you have there, Try as much you can it, when it's just days that you just have the kids that aren't doing an outside program. I would do a very typical two circuits, five exercises each, one from each category, bracing, pulling, pushing, hinging, squatting, 
and go from that. But it's great, and that you're thinking about, all right, make sure technique is first, make sure they have mobility, let's get them strong in the core, and from there, you're going to build out. So great job, and keep up the great work. Send us an email here in a few months. I'm eager to see how it went, especially through the high school season, and uh, let us know too when you are officially uh, SSDC, Surge Strength Dryland Certified, and we'll give you another shout out. Thanks again, guys, for this episode of Dryland Talk. Have you joined the Surge Strength Academy yet? It's now free to enroll in the Surge Strength Academy and raise your Dryland IQ. Visit surge-strength.com to learn more and enroll today. That's surge-strength.com to enroll in the Surge Strength Academy. The goal of Surge Strength is simple. Build better athletes to generate faster swimmers.